every single thing that was like horrible that I incurred or happened to me, whatever, it ended up being the absolute best thing that happened to me. The bad things can be the catalyst for you to grow and change and become what you need to become. Welcome to Gym Owner Freedom. I am Scott Carpenter and I am a former broke, struggling, frustrated, and overworked gym owner that felt stuck no matter what I did to try and improve the business. Once I realized that the answer wasn't what I thought it was, just getting more clients, and after really doing the math on acquisition and churn rates, I realized I wasn't even playing a winnable game to begin with. With my current price structure, mathematically, there was no way I could afford to pay my staff so I could scale up and out of the business that I could have the time, the money, the impact, and the freedom that I always knew I was capable of. Once I learned how to add value by selling transformational programs to people who needed more than just workouts, everything changed in my life. Today, I own six gyms that all run without me, and I am free to pursue my passion projects and work just because I love to, not because I have to. And if that's a goal that we mutually share together, then this is the show for you. I'm going to teach you the framework to make way more money with less clients and open up a world of possibilities to you. Subscribe, leave a review, and tune in every week. It'll change your life. I promise you that. Hey, everybody. Just recently, I had the privilege of being a guest on the Coach Catalyst podcast with Trevor Whitwer. We end up going a little bit deeper into my biggest struggles and failures over the years as a gym owner. Spoiler alert, things get way worse than you could imagine. But what helped me through my darkest times was that rare podcast where somebody successful that I looked up to shared their biggest failures and moments of doubt. It helped me feel normal. It helped me feel like it's okay if I'm not crushing it. It helped me feel that things will get better if I keep trying. My hope is by sharing this podcast, it can help anyone listening who is struggling out there, who sometimes doubts themselves and doesn't always believe they have what it takes. It was invaluable to me, and my hope is that it can be invaluable to you too. If it is, I would love to hear from you. Find my contact info in the show notes and let me know. Thanks and enjoy the listen. Scott Carpenter, welcome to the Coach Callis Podcast. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. I'm excited to have you on. We've had a lot of kind of off-camera conversations, so it's going to be excited to, to have one on camera. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's been cool getting to know you over the past you know what several months i think yeah and uh been been really fun you do some amazing stuff thank you well today is all about you so let's get into it um a lot of people would know you today with the uh, pt legends and what you're doing to help gym owners but like a lot of people who have kind of created another business within this realm it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for previous experiences and so mm-hmm. i really want to start by just kind of unpacking that stuff and let's go way back. Like what even got you into the industry to start with? Was it right out of school? Were you in sports or was it kind of a later career change for you? How did it start for you? It was later. I was, I was raised by parents who knew one way, you know, and that is by getting perfect grades at school, getting into a good school, getting into a normal, safe, secure job with a big company, and then just waiting to die. And uh, that was the path, the only path that was laid out for me, you know, and so I got into the corporate world and I hated it, hated it, just miserable. So, and I'm a very entrepreneurial kind of guy, I always kind of have been, right? And uh, so, so 
I didn't really want to do that. I started getting into really fit in, into fitness, getting really into health and fitness at this point. So this is post college, and that was probably the only thing that saved me from massive depression at that time. And then I just realized I see where my life is going if I keep on this path, you know. And I don't want to go that route. So I decided, and I hated where I was living in Illinois, kind of where I grew up. So I moved out to Scottsdale, where there's palm trees and sun and pools and beautiful women. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I'm like, let me do something I actually like and am passionate about. So I got certified as a personal trainer. And I started with a big box gym, Lifetime Fitness out here. So did you just move out just kind of on a whim? I'm like, hey, complete career change. I just need to, I'm going to change my location. I'm going to change my space. I'm going to do a new thing without any plans, without anything. Or was there a little bit of a... All right. I visited out here in January where there's a Barrett Jackson auto show going on. And so it's like January and there's palm yeah. trees, there's all this stuff. And then I'm like, that's it. I'm moving. So I, I was out there within months. I put in my two weeks, my, my working for a big corporation, right? So my boss is like, well, we can transfer you. I'm like, nope. I hated my job. I just okay. hated it. Right. So I didn't have a job. I didn't have interviews. I just packed up my crappy little car that I bought for 3900 bucks, threw the dogs in there, threw my earthly possessions and drove on out. No so, apartment, no no apartment, no anything. Was there did you have a friend out there that you could crash with, on? I had one okay. friend there who was going to okay. be moving back. So I stayed with her for a period of 3-4 weeks maybe okay. until I could find an apartment my own and then what I was doing cuz that's when I was realizing, hey, why don't I just do something that I enjoy? It, right. And figure things out because I was looking at these job postings on an, back then it was like monster. I'm like, that looks yeah. boring. That looks boring. So I got certified through NESM really quickly. I interviewed yeah. before I was certified and I got the job, but I couldn't start until I got certified. So I had to cram. Yeah. And then, yeah, by that year and whatever that was, 2008, then I started working for Lifetime. Cool. So how long were you at Lifetime? I was there for maybe about a year and my business skills helped. My business acumen helped. So I was there for about a year and I got promoted to be an assistant manager. Um, And then year or year and a half, somewhere around that line, um, I got promoted to take the first open position to be the department head at a different location in in the Valley in Arizona. So I managed like a staff of 20 to 30 trainers. um, And I did that for a total of four years. But like I... I can't sell stuff I don't believe in. Mm-hmm. I'm really, really bad at that. And like, you know, they wanted you to push all these ancillaries. They wanted to sell this and sell that. And you're just like, you're just making extra money. And I have no problem if that's going to help them. And it, right. it would marginally, but that's not where they should be really focusing their time, money, energy, and effort to get the results. Mm-hmm. You know, and then they just kept getting more and more corporate about it, shoving it down your throats, even though you could be crushing the numbers. Well, this mm-hmm. one isn't there. Well, mm-hmm. these people are getting better results. Like, who cares, right? So I had a big conflict with that. And then also how they treated staff members. It's not about customers achieving the end result. And this is why I got into it. Like, fitness was a huge improvement on life to me. Mm-hmm. Huge. And then I wanted to help others do the same thing. But all the emphasis was just on the BS. You know, and numbers are absolutely important. Money is absolutely important. And actually, they go hand in hand when you learn how to do it the right way. The more you charge, the better results they're going to get. So that is for sure when you learn that. But they had no concern about about making trainers better, becoming better coaches, 
and nutrition was like non-existent, which is 90% of it, right? All that stuff. And then so I'm just like, I got to get out of this thing. So you're four years deep. You've been in it for a while. Um, probably pretty comfortable with like the situation, the scenario, everything that's going mm-hmm. on. You kind of know what to do day to day. And so was there a moment where I was like, no, I'm out. Like, I'm done with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's if I look back and it was a bad thing that happened. But if I look back in my life and every single thing that was like horrible that 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 I incurred or happened to me, whatever, given enough time, it ended up being the absolute best thing that happened to me. And that includes when, you know, I had an employee, you know, get into sexual stuff and literally melt down one of my studios. It and like in the long run, COVID forced some amazing changes and forever changed my life. It's these bad things that can happen if you just keep moving forward and keep mm-hmm. progressing and be the best things. So yeah, what happened was um, at that time, uh, a new GM came in and she was off her rockers. I couldn't, I knew she didn't take the normal promotion path that is pretty rigid to move up and you had to be vetted by a lot. I'm like, there's, and I was right later on. She didn't, she took an alternate path. Somebody at corporate took a favor to her for whatever reason. Right. She was installed and she was a nut. So we butt heads. And then this is like, this is horrible. And another thing that they did, they made you walk around with a walkie talkie plugged into your ear every single, like every minute of every day there. To me, just to engage with somebody who might sign up, who might be interested in personal training so you can go and say hi. Now, I don't know if, but what's buzzing in your ear are membership appointments, spa crap, you know, facility management, cleanups and stuff like that. So you, this thing is going off and you're supposed to train clients or manage a staff meeting or have a consultation or do an interview on somebody. That is literally a violation of like your, your own mind. You know what I mean? And those two things, I'm like, I am out. So you couldn't take it off while you were in an interview with someone or while you were training a client or you weren't? Well, this is because of the GM. This was a pilot thing. Okay. But she's so crazy that she barged into my staff meeting because nobody was answering for Pete um, on behalf of the PT department. And we're all in their staff meeting. So yes, you were, you were supposed to do, and I just said, I'm not right. doing it. Right. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I can't even think in my own head. Are you crazy? Like there's no, there's just no chance. Um, and meanwhile, okay. This, th- I was smashing department revenues all times since the club opened by far. Mm-hmm. by far. And this was the most challenging because this one was not in Scottsdale. This one was in Goodyear. It was the most challenging uh, location that Lifetime had out of about 100 locations. So I'm crushing it. And the P&L for my department is actually saving, is overperforming so much where it was saving the rest of the gym. Mm-hmm. So all you got to do is just say, hey, thank you. What can I do mm-hmm. to make your job easier? Mm-hmm. That's it. you know. But this led, I'm like, I got to get out of here. I've right. got to get out of here. And because it's horrible, but again, the bad things can be the catalyst for you to grow and change and become what you need to become. So I found a listing for an, a box that was going out of business, a box gym is group, group training only with literally punch cards. Okay. Like 10 visits for a hundred bucks or something. And when I say literally punch cards, I mean, literally like, like business card punch cards that you use one of those staple things with like a star shape. Yeah. Yeah. That was what it is. Guess where the client roster and sheets and lists were written on these cards? And maybe there was a phone number, maybe there's an email, maybe not. So 
I went, you know, I took big pay cuts. It was corporate America. Right. Boom. I go to building a business, personal training, which takes a while and all that. I worked my butt off to get to this management, a couple management positions up where I'm probably making like 90s, maybe close mm-hmm. to 100K. And then that was so bad with everything that I'm like, I'm getting out. So I bought the gym and literally inherited 800 bucks a month in business. Um, 800 bucks a, bit a month in business. It's basically a box going out of business, losing you know, a few thousand bucks a month and uh, with equipment. So that's right. what I had to work with when I moved in an area that I wasn't familiar with, but I'm just like, I got to get out. I'm going. How, how did you find it? Where, how'd you come about the box? Biz, I think it was bizbysell.com. Okay. Why I was perusing that, I don't know. I was looking for any ticket out of Lifetime Fitness to start making money on my own. Yeah. And I saw that as an opportunity. Were you trying to stay in fitness or were you kind of like any sort of business yeah. endeavor? Yep. Yep. Originally, okay. what I was thinking of doing was creating an educational program to teach high school kids how to take care of their bodies. Because, I mean, you don't learn two things. You don't learn really how to succeed financially, you know, in all these years of school, and you don't mm-hmm. really learn how to take care of your body and your health. Mm-hmm. I'm pa- very passionate about, about those two things because those two things can give you so much freedom and happiness. And uh, so what I, I wanted to create a curriculum and teach kids how to do this because it's just absent in our schools. Nobody knows what to do, right? And so that's what I was going to do, but I didn't know how to start that up. But what mm-hmm. I saw was this, this business that was there. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I can go there and make some money to figure that out. Because I can't do it at Lifetime. That job was like 60 hours a week and super mm-hmm. stressful. And um, so I'm like, I can maybe make some money and pay the bills while I work on that. You get the box. You obviously went through with it, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of opportunity. Like if you see a business like that, then that's how it's being run. Was that how you kind of viewed this? Was like, hey, like there's opportunity here. There's potential here. The way they're running it is complete garbage. Like I can come in turn this thing around and start, you know, making some money quick. That's exactly what it is. Cause there was, there's just group there, right? Group. And there was a couple personal trainers paying rent, basically taking walk-ins. It was just the most bizarre experience. I had to call the cops on the guy. This my first freaking week of ownership and lock him inside. Cause there's a double key on both sides. Cause I, I kicked him out. I told him, you can't come back here. He says he's coming back here. I'm like, I'm like, listen, I'll call you a ride from the police. If you come back, I got tipped off. He was coming in. He barges in. I lock him in. I'm like, take a seat. I'm going to call you a ride. Very uncomfortable for the clients in the building at that time. <laughs> uh, I've had the worst stories. I, I swear. But, um, but uh, yeah, so I knew I could bring. So my advantage, as opposed to a lot of people who have just been in the group space, right? The mm-hmm. large group volume space right. is I knew how to sell PT. And so, yeah, there was some group stuff. And then I brought in personal training and I was good at selling it. So I was able to increase that revenue and profitability pretty quickly over the next several months. So were you doing a lot of the training or did you bring any of the like, coaches or trainers with you to handle day to day? I brought uh, one guy I knew from, from Lifetime Fitness with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was him and I. And uh, it wasn't in an ownership situation, but it was where all his clients, I let him kind of do it for free and he helped me grow it. And we did different pay things. We discussed him buying in. Never did happen. Thank God. Um, because this is the guy. That's a story for another day. But that's the guy who, when I was at another location that I bought and rebranded, he ended up um, sleeping with the female trainer at this location. Because he was in charge of running this location. Sleeping with a female trainer. 
her, the lead trainer was her like really good friend. He messed with her head. He did all these different things. He denied it. Okay. And I got a call on a random Sunday. I'm like, from somebody that was working there. He's like, I got to talk to you. Things are about to get crazy. I'm like, <laughs> and that's when I started learning all this, but I didn't know the truth because I sat down with Jake like the very next day or that same day. I cannot remember lied to my face about it. So I had to like interrogate everybody or right. interview everybody, I should say, figure out right. what is going on. And then I felt bad for this guy because I'd known him for a few years. And what I didn't know is that he's a different person than everybody. Everybody has a different, and he's very likable. But man, I found all the stuff I found out after was unbelievable because here's what I did. Here's, here's something incredibly stupid that I did. I thought fundamentally, this is a good person mm-hmm. who made a bad decision because he was going through some very difficult things in his life, which he was. His fiance backed out a week before the wedding and his dad died like a month or two after that. Okay. So I'm like, yes. so in, instead of letting him go, I was working at the Desert Ridge location. Okay. Sort of like part-time-ish running that one. And instead of letting him go, I let him come over to that location and I had to raise the 7th Street location imploded because, well, the girl, right? I had to work alongside her and I'm just like, when is she going to sue me? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was horrible. She had a horrible attitude, not her fault. And then the one guy left to start another with all the clients to start a gym down the street. Everybody's had that story. Um, and then I had to let another guy go because his attitude just couldn't turn around because he thought I was covering up for him when I didn't know anything. You know, it's just crazy kind of stuff. So I that club melted down, and I let this other guy go to the one that I was working out, where he proceeds to do the very exact same thing. He hooks up with the female personal trainer. My GM there flips out because I was honest with him about why this guy was coming over. He does this. And then he thinks I'm covering up for Jake. So this GM flies off the handle and leaves. Okay. Mm-hmm. The, the female trainer denies this, that anything's going on until months later. He lets go of another guy. She's gone then after they come clean about it. And now I've got to fire him with one extremely part-time staff member over there. And this location just bleeding in the red still. Uh-huh. This was by far the hardest time in my career that I've ever had. It's I had two locations bleeding like crazy. And I had my newborn son. Well, he was like maybe six to 12 months when this stuff was starting to go on. And it was horrible because I was doing 4 a.m.s. I was finishing at 8 p.m.s. I was working Saturdays. I was working Sundays with no hope in sight. So that was about five years in. Sorry if I skipped over a few things, but that, well, that, was, that, was, that was a really intense period of my life. Let's fill in the gaps a little bit. So you had the first facility. Um, how long before you did the next one? Was the next one like a another purchase like this one? Or did you start kind of in a brand new one in a new location? It was uh, is a new location. So this is this is obviously if anybody's listening, you can tell that I'm a little bit dense with certain things. Uh, when I was younger, I was I look back, I'm like, man, I was dumb. Like, what was I even thinking? But, you know, if you're too stubborn to fail. If you're too stubborn to lose, you're not going to. Uh-huh. You know, you're going to find a way. So it was just literally grit that got me by from being a complete moron in my younger years. So yeah, I, I, was, I had that location for like eight months or so. Brought it okay. up decent. I'm still not taking home tons, but it's, it's good. I'm like, oh my God. You know, and you think, oh, it'll just keep growing like this and all that kind of stuff. But 
there was, why am I looking to expand at this point? I don't know, because I'm stupid. So I was on Craigslist and I found a bunch of equipment for sale, right? And equipment you can buy for pennies on the dollar. You know what I mean? Right. So I, yeah. I call. I have no money to buy it. I've got no place to put it. I don't know why I made the call, but I made the call. And, and part of me is like, you just act as if though, like you just, you can't wait till all the planets align. They never mm-hmm. will. So you just right. have to take action. And sometimes things fall into place when you just keep doing that. So I called. He's like, well, that equipment is spoken for. I'm selling it for a friend, but are you looking to get your own studio or gym? Because um, I've got, well, I'm going to sell one of mine. He had two locations. So I'm like, yeah, you know, even though I had no money. So <laughs> that was my Glendale location. And that's where I met my future partner. He was an independent contractor paying rent or independent trainer paying rent. Yeah. Um, but um, really cool because, yeah, so he was selling that. It was a second location. He was going to have a baby, him and his wife, and it wasn't profitable. And so it was just, he bit off more than he could chew. Right. So I arranged, I got like somehow I qualified for a micro loan from like a nonprofit. I got like a client to pay in full. And then somehow the landlords let me have the lease. Bizarre. I mean, this is probably like in, you know, this is not too far after, after that big recession. Right. Okay. Yeah. So still like real estate was down. I hadn't fully recovered. So I guess they just let me in without qualifying me. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I got that second location and I rebranded it. So that's, that was location number two. I'd say that was less than a year after I opened up location number one. Okay. And was it similar style, kind of the group training and PT? Yep. So we had group training, we had PT. And then what I ended up doing, I brought in semi-private. Okay. I brought in semi-private. And at that time I was charging like 30. So my group, here's my group guys. It was like 99 to 149. Mm-hmm. That's what I was doing. Unless somebody had deals, maybe they're paying 79 bucks. Right. So my number one thing is price. Price trumps. Price makes everything. Bring more value. Charge drastically higher prices. You get total freedom as a gym owner. Mm-hmm. That was not me at this stage. So I had large group. I had private. I had semi. I eventually got rid of large group or toned okay. it down. Not completely, but I toned it way down because I found that people were definitely willing to pay more for, for better service. Mm-hmm. And instead of just getting rid of it, what I did, I just took it off the menu. Because my places aren't that big. You know, they, right now, they go anywhere from 1,300 to 2,500 square feet. Mm-hmm. And the volume model, I hate it. I hate it. It's a lot of headache. It's a lot of clients. It's a lot of problems. It's a lot of everything. I want to work with fewer clients and make way more money. So mm-hmm. that's what I started to do at this stage. I wasn't doing it well. But I eventually kind of phased out group. And I, had, I ran with PT and semi-private. I think I was able to do that a lot easier than most because I had my background in PT. Mm-hmm. I knew what things could be. So that was just normal to me to sell you know, personal training. So that was a big advantage to me, unlike a lot of box gym owners who that's really all they know. So... When you say PT, was that the one-to-one model or was it kind of the one-to-three or one-to-four model? At the time, that was one-to-one. So I ran with yeah my one-on-one PT model and semi-private for the longest time, which certainly has its drawbacks. I was doing... I eventually started doing pretty well, decently Mm -hmm. well, right? And I'm very comfortable, even but, but it has its drawbacks. That model has some very 
strong positive, but some very strong negatives as well. And so, I mean, what would what would you say some of the if someone was kind of debating the model that they want to choose, what would you say some of the the positives mm. and negatives of it would be for you? The cool thing, so you can do really well with group when you learn how to really charge a good price. And it's right. the secret is no matter what model that you use, whether it's group, it's large group, small group, semi, one-on-one, or the new one that we created, overlapping one-on-one, which is phenomenal. That is the best. You can still have group and overlapping, but there's really not much of a need to have one-on-one if you know how to do overlapping one-on-one. You're severely handicapping yourself forever and making sure that your, your staff members, your employees are going to be underpaid. Mm-hmm. So overlapping is phenomenal. That being said, no matter what your business model, the key is that you need to have an additional offer for people who need more than workouts to get to their goal, which is almost everybody coming in. Mm-hmm. So I read this amazing article in, on you know, the decline of CrossFit and this, that, and the other in the United States. And that's true. Like People are not as interested in that. Group models and group things, can, they can be very up and down. Boot camps mm-hmm. were the thing before that, right? Then it's like, ooh, CrossFit. And it explodes and then it wanes. So group stuff is usually kind of themed and it has its vulnerabilities, but any of them can still work. But the thing that people have to realize is most people coming in, whether you got a CrossFit, a boot camp, they're not coming in to work out. They're not coming in to do CrossFit workouts. They're not coming in to do boot camp. They're not coming in to do HIT. Okay. Some of them are five, 10% maybe. Okay. They just want to come in with that type of workout. They're coming in for that. They just want to move, sweat, and join a community. Cool. But 90 plus percent of the other people that come into any given gym, they don't care. They don't even want to work out. In their heads, they're just thinking, okay, I feel really crappy about myself, right? Mm-hmm. I'm definitely like not looking good in my clothes. Um, I, my weight's up, you know, I blah, blah, blah. My clothes aren't fitting right. You know, I'm just kind of feeling tired. I'm out of shape. Therefore, I need to get in shape and lose weight. Therefore, I need to work out. That's the thought process. They equate it all to working out. I need to start working out. So then what do they do? You know, they, they're, it's at the right time and they scroll and they see your Facebook ad or they do a Google search and find you. You're pretty close and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then they come in. And then what do we do? We figure out what their, their goals are. And then we tell them how awesome we are, you know, and how much better we are than everybody else. And then we just give them workouts. Maybe some people do nutrition coaching, but if we're perfectly honest, hardly anybody's able to really sell nutrition coaching. And when they are, they're hardly able to get them to get results. It's like pulling teeth and the retention isn't there and the low prices are there and the scale of it. It's a lot of work for a little bit of payoff, rinse and repeat. But the problem is, is that they're not coming in to work out. So we need to figure out what they're coming in for and we need to dive into that. And we need to get them to reveal to us why it's so important for them to make this change now. How has it been holding them back from being the best version of themselves? Has it affected their self-confidence? Has it affected their social confidence? Has it affected their, their energy? I mean, they wake up and they don't have any structure. and They're just trying to get through the day with work and, and travel and, and, and kid stuff and groceries and meal prep. And it's just, they're exhausted at the end of the day scrolling through Instagram or watching that extra Netflix episode and staying up late. And it's just, they wake up and it's like whack-a-mole and they don't have any structure into their lives. 
So when we, when we show, we, when we can show them that, and it's not about the workouts, you know, it isn't about the workouts. The workouts are necessary, but they're so overrated. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're like conjugate X method versus CrossFit versus we're more traditional strength training versus we're more this. It's all for the average person. It's all going to work. It's not about the three hours of the week that they're coming into your gym. It's about the 165 hours a week that they're not in your gym. And that's what they really need. So number one, figure out why they're really here. Number two, help them reveal why it is so important for them to change and how it's holding them back from becoming the best version of themselves. And once you, they, they really conceptualize that, well, yeah, because we have that armor up. Oh, I wanna, yeah, I'd like to lose a little bit of weight, but I just want to be healthier. Mm-hmm. You can't let them get away with that bullshit answer. You've got to strip away that armor and have a real conversation. You got to bring out that inner Tony Robbins. And once you do, and it's important, and then you can show them how literally just, just trying to work out and follow a diet has not worked for them the past 12 attempts. Here's what you need, right? And you sell a mentorship where you're taking them by the hand and teaching them how to build this into their lives until they can do it on their own. And when you do that and you make that connection to what that weight represents and how it affects them every single day of their lives, they are willing to pay 2000 or 3000 or 4000 or 5000 or $6,000 to solve that problem. And they will do that with a short-term program. So I don't care if your model is group or semi or, or overlapping PT or one-on-one. You can do tremendously well with any of them if you're selling what people actually want and they actually need. Hey, just a quick reminder to everybody, if you are ready to start making an extra $10,000 more this month, every month, by making more money with less clients with transformational programs and create a consistent flow of high-quality leads, you can learn more about what it's like to work with me and my team at PT Legends and how ridiculously affordable it is at CoachScottCarpenter.com. It is such a no-brainer that it more than pays for itself when we teach you how to enroll two, just two, case study clients. Really, that's it. So go to CoachScottCarpenter.com and learn more about it. So I've got, I've got two follow-ups to that. First one is, what is overlapping PT? Explain mm. that a little bit, because I don't think that's a term that is very common in the industry yet. It isn't, because um, I created it. So, so you're probably like, what is that? It's, it's something that I created. So I ran, as you guys know, like I ran with semi and, and one-on-one PT for the longest time. Okay? Yeah. So the pros of PT, hey, I can bring in, you know, you can sell sessions for, I mean, we sell them for more now, but you can sell sessions for or overlapping, but most, most people market price is like 60 to 90 bucks an hour. Right. Okay. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and so you can bring in, you know, when you sell a pack, this is what people do. They're not selling solutions. They're just selling a pack, right? right. Eight or 12 or 20 or 10 or whatever. So you've got that, but you can bring in a lot of revenue pretty quickly that way, mm-hmm. but you have to pay out, you know, you're either taking on doing it yourself and you're taking on a lot of extra work, sign up a three time a week client that might bring in 840 a month. But guess what? That's three hours. How many of those can you do? Right. Right. And if it's a trainer, generally you have to pay out a good amount of that too. So it does cut into margins. But the problem with one-on-one is that everybody wants the prime time in the mornings or the prime time in the evenings. Right. Your capacity is one. So there's only so many 5 p.m.s and 6 p.m.s and that's one. So if you've got one trainer with one person, A, it takes up more space when you have a a trainer for everybody. But what happens is that you're going to have a staffing problem. 
mm-hmm. because you need to hire more to handle the four people or three or four people who want 5 PMs and 6 PMs. Right. So you hire, but the problem is, is they're not, there's not enough work for them in the other hours of the day. Right. And so now you're either, typically you're getting somebody who's not bought in to you and your yep. culture where you're underemploying them. And they'll do it for a while until they're like, I got to find more work somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And when they leave with that one-on-one relationship, those clients are gone. 80% of them gone. And it's really hard. So you can, you can do pretty well, but you'll have setbacks. And hiring, as we know, that's not easy for any right. of us right now. Right. So when you need, you know, that many trainers, it's really tough. There's just not enough work for all of them. And you're always going to run into that problem. Okay. Then you take semi-private. So I had semi-private, but the con of that is that, first of all, I was selling those for $30 initially per, then it was $40. Okay. And that's what most people are kind of do. Maybe, maybe 50. And that's decent. Okay. Um, but you need way more people for that, right? You need mm-hmm. to send up way more people. And here's the awkward thing is you might be going through this and they really want semi-private, but they need to come in here at 2 p.m. And then you're like, well, I don't have anybody at 2 p.m. So you're hesitant to, then you're like, well, you're going to have to do private because we don't have, you know, and you're hesitant to start up new times. Once you start up that new time, you're obligated to be there or a staff member those two Mm -hmm. or three times a week. And there might be zero or one person showing up for the next six months. So you're either just letting it all, you're doing that yourself and eating the time or what you're doing is uh, paying somebody um, basically probably this, all of the revenue, right? Mm-hmm. And that can be hard. So you're, you're reluctant to, to, it's not an easy thing. You might have to get them with a different product at that point. And that's just not an easy conversation. Sometimes it costs sales. Um, and the thing is with semi, they don't value the, the services as much. Right. Because with a semi, it's still like, eh, I don't feel like going today. I'll just, I'll just go tomorrow kind of thing. There's a lot of value. You'd be surprised how many people want to do PT just because they have an appointment. They say that mm-hmm. the appointment they got to show for. I wouldn't do it otherwise. So, and the thing is, is people who want PT, they also value their time. If I'm, you know, a productive professional who makes good money and I want to get in shape and do PT. And I want to come home on my way from work and work out at 5 p.m., but you don't have anything available until 7.30 or 8 p.m., how long am I going to continue to do that? Mm-hmm. Because people can afford to do that. They value their time. So it's got to be convenient for them. Um, and if it's not, you're gonna, they're going to fall off at some point, no matter what you do. So there's this juggling. So each one, there's pros and cons of each, but overlapping PT is designed to have the pros of both of them without any of the cons. So... The differences are subtle, very subtle, but it's a lot of it in the ways you sell it in. So overlapping PT is essentially treat them like personal training sessions, okay? And the best practice is to schedule recurring time slots, right? okay? So I sign up somebody who's going to do three times a week, cool. Let's, we're going to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 5 p.m., cool. We'll put them in mm-hmm. recurring slots. And the thing is, is like, hey, yeah, oh, I'm leaving out of town. Can, town, can I get them in Thursday at 5 and said, no problem, boop, move it, right? So you've got the recurring PT. And here's the thing. When new people sign up, you don't have to hold all these hours open. Like if nobody's there, you don't have to be there. That's the great thing. Nobody has to be there. You don't hold them open. You just treat them all like PT individual appointments. And when they happen to overlap, let's say you sign up another person. She wants 5 p.m. or maybe even 5.30s. It doesn't even matter. When they happen to overlap, guess what? You let them overlap. 
Mm-hmm. So we kind of cap it at four. We don't regularly schedule anybody more than four. Occasionally, we might do a five. Just so in, as in like, an, in, in like an hour, you want like, let's say mm-hmm. it's a, the 5 p.m. hour. You would have no more than maybe four PT clients in that hour with the coach. Yep, exactly. Because okay. past that, you start to deteriorate the service, right? Right. And so the cool thing is you can talk about it as personal training, right? And where you're going to get the exact workouts that you need and be pushed right. exactly how you need to be pushed and that you're capable of. Yeah. Um, you know, and so that you can come in here at 5 p.m. is when it works for you and your schedule. We utilize this overlapping format. So while everything's going to be geared to exactly what you need and personalized for you, we may be simultaneously working with one, two, or three other people, giving them direction, right? right? The only con of this is that we're not going to stand over you and count your reps. Right. We're not going to hover over you. And before I can say it, they'll say it. They'll be like, oh, I don't need that. Right. Right. And it's just, and here's the cool thing. So you can sell it in real, and we sell these things for more with our, with our transformational programs that we sell by selling solutions instead of sessions. We're selling overlapping PT for more than we used to sell one-on-one PT. Let that sink in there, right? Mm-hmm. That is huge. That is huge. And now we don't have to worry about opening up new hours or closing them down. The bottom line is we get to just have the best blend of our availability and their availability. And everybody wins. Everybody wins. And the cool thing is, I was hesitant. I was fearful. I'm like, because everybody thinks about if they got PT right now, they're like, oh, I could never do that. Like Susan would never blah, blah, blah. Right. It's the relationship and blah, blah. And your staff will push back, might push back on it a lot, right? Well, they pay for that one-on-one. Here's the thing. There are ways to integrate your old staff into this where it's way better. You can give them more values this for the same price. Um, there's, I did it. I, I've got six gyms and the sixth one started that way. All five of them, we converted to this. If you have some big problems, you can still grandfather those one or two people. Mm-hmm. But literally, we helped Dan Clayton in Ohio convert his entire gym into it in the course of, a, of four weeks. He lost zero people. Mm-hmm. His, and he doubled his existing prices for everybody new coming in board. We're slowly ramping up his other ones. And not only that, but his capacity just forexed. It forexed. Right. And when you, when you, also put in the the price increase that we've doubled it it's 8x his potential is 8xing with no more hours of work none and that's the coolest thing about this so the reason why it wins is obviously the gym owner wins okay Mm -hmm. um the employee wins so the cool thing about this i actually pay out less than i would a one-on-one session but all my trainers now or coaches they're all making more money than they used to Okay, they're making more money than they used to, but working the same or fewer hours even. And I'm making more margins. So I'm winning. The employee's winning. The employee really wins. Why? Because I need to hire fewer employees that get way more highly paid. Mm -hmm. That is a win. I can pay my trainer six figures on this. It's awesome. I got a trainer who's like 23, coming up on like six figures. It's awesome. And all he's doing is training. So... So yeah, like the, 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 the employee wins uh, as well. And then who also wins is the client because one-on-one versus overlapping. I can tell you from experience, six times over is a better experience. The client likes it more. A, they get to come to the times that are convenient for them, not just what you might have available with that one or two trainers. And if you lose mm-hmm. that trainer, oh, shoot, 
we got to have you come in another time, right? Or you got to hop in and take it as the owner. Not good. So the, the, the client wins because they get times that are convenient for them. They're more likely to stick around for it. And it is a better experience. What I hear from a lot of box gym owners is like, we like that community aspect and this and that. You get that. One on one can get very rent a friend situation where it's less work gets done and it's more about catching up over what happened over the weekend and stuff mm-hmm. like that. They know when they come in, they know the other guy, the, the other person or two or three people and develop camaraderie. More work gets done. It's a higher energy level and there's more of a community feel. And it is less about that relationship with the one on one trainer, which makes it also safer in case you lose them. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, it is extremely rare that I lose anyone. Since I switched to this two and a half years ago, I think I've lost one person on my locations. And that was also because Danny was getting married or maybe not getting married, he was heading that way. He moved to where his girlfriend is and got her job in Texas. It, it just, this, this format wins. And space-wise, because my places are smaller too, and even if you have a large group gym, gym that's got space, but your PT or semi area, maybe it's smaller. There's a big difference with four people working, four trainers or coaches working with four one on one clients, mm-hmm. the, the space that takes up versus one working with four. It's a big difference because one of my locations is 1,300 square feet. But I can crank out of that thing with this model. So, at, at what point did you? make the switch to this model or have the kind of realization that, Hey, this is where I need to go. Was that after the second location? Was it three or four? Um, where was that? Oh, God, I wish I wish it was, it was only until, um, uh, two and a half years ago. Okay. It's when we started opening back up for COVID okay. and there were two things that just launched my gyms into the next stratosphere. And it's the reason that we're on this podcast and now I'm working with gyms all over the world. And you don't have to do overlapping. If you are just group right now, by finding out like how to create a transformational offer inside of your gym for people who need more than workouts, you can crush it with. If you have PT, you can just keep one-on-one PT. I would suggest overlapping. But if you're a semi-private model, it works for semi-private. So there's two main things. Is one, increase value to drastically increase price for people who need more than workouts. Okay, drastically increase price. Selling a transformational offer, for example, this could be a nine-week program that comes with three times a week, whether it's group or semi or one-on-one, doesn't matter. And you can sell that for anywhere from like two to $6,000 for a nine-week program coming in three times a week. And then you convert them to a year at week six. There's a whole process. So number one is learning how to drastically increase your prices okay, by adding value with a transformational program. Okay. And then number two, that really helped it solve all my staffing problems and, and, and got better margins and so on and so forth. That has been overlapping PT. So I just finished up because like, you know, we're, we're recording this. I think it's, you know, um, it'll come out in a few weeks, but I kind of finished up with, with my P and L's and I looked at like my seventh street location. Right. And I, I recently, uh, published this too inside of our group, but it's, you know, I did the P and L on it and it's, it made like 200, almost 250K profit, okay? 2,500 square feet. And it, I mean, the revenue was not even crazy high. I think it was low 40s, maybe mid 40s. I can't quite remember, something like that. But my profit margins are super high, mm-hmm. super high on it. And like my net margin was 
dang near 50%. So it's really, the volume is so hard. Acquisition is a pain. It's expensive. It's always changing. Facebook ads are not getting easier. Um, there's a lot of work involved now to, to nurture those leads. And the high volume model, it's really tough. You need more staff. You have more problems. You have more complaints. The people who pay the least are always the biggest a-holes. You know? And really what I found is working with, with fewer clients that pay you way more money and really just essentially working with the people who really value your services. Like your dream clients, you only need a few of them to crush it. I don't know what the total number of people I have, members I have over there, but it's not that high. It's for sure less than 100, like way less than 100. Um, somewhere between probably like 60 and 90, if I had to give a rust. I don't, obviously, with six gems, I don't really work in them a whole lot. So I couldn't tell you the up to date numbers uh, on it. I just see the financials. So you're at six gems now. Where we left off before was two gyms. There were a lot mm -hmm. of struggles with those two gyms. Why go to three and then four? Because my eyes were, were bigger than my stomach at that point. It's, uh, I just didn't know enough at that stage. I was, I think I started, got the first one at 29 then. Okay. Because I had four years in the corporate world. Then I had four and a half, four, four and a half at lifetime. So yeah, yeah, I was 29 when I started the first one. I was then 20, 30 when I got the second. And so what happened was uh, the, the guy I bought the gym from, if you remember, he, said, mm -hmm. he had two locations. So his wife was in real estate. He wanted to go there. So he asked if I wanted to buy the first location because no shocker, running gyms is hard work, right? Mm -hmm. For most people, low profits. So um, I was able to arrange seller financing. And I had a client. This is the first time I've ever taken outside money. Okay. And he offered to put up the cash portion of it on the down. And I took yep. the entirety of the loan on seller financing. So I was able to kind of acquire one really for free, obviously taking on a lot of liability with the lease and everything. Mm -hmm. But I was able to do that. So was it kind of foolish? Yeah, probably. And then so that happened. And right at the same time, as I was negotiating that deal and still hadn't even closed, um, my landlord at the second location, they're awesome landlords, but they own a lot. It was Bob Parsons. Uh, he owns that company. He was the uh, founder of GoDaddy and he sold out. He just, he's a billionaire, right? So they own this other property in Scottsdale and they had a yoga studio go out of business. That type of format, it's just like, hey, bathroom's an open kind of right. thing, right? So they're like, okay, well, you've been paying your bills every month for a while. Um, how about you take over this location you know, and do it? I'm like, listen, I don't have time. I don't have money. I don't have anybody to run it. Okay. So I said, no. I'm like, I just can't because I hadn't even taken over the other one. Right. And they came back with a better offer. I'm like, I just don't think I can do this. And then they came back with another offer. Okay. And it was many, many months free. They were going to demise the separating wall. They had some stupid separating wall between like retail and, you know, wherever you do the yoga. And then, so I found somebody I used to work with at, at the Scottsdale Lifetime. And we arranged a deal. He didn't have much money either. But somehow we kind of pulled together some resources. I think we used trade money to get these dumbbells too. It was, I was so broke for so long, Trevor. I can't even tell you. The fact that I strung these places together, miracle. 
absolute miracle. Um, and so by, I think it was year three in business, I had four locations, something like that. When way over my head, <laughs> like ridiculously over my head. And so, I mean, was it all the same model? Were you just kind of like repeating, just kind of yeah, and so it was private and semi, private okay. and semi at that time, right? Um, is how it was. We still had large group, large, large group phased out at a couple locations, but at my Desert Ridge and the Scottsdale location, we never brought in large group. We just ran with PT and semi private. Um, but that didn't even work out with that owner, too, just because he's not. He just didn't have what it take. And, and that, that, that was a big, I've made every mistake ever. Okay. So also he had his, he was renting space from another place. He had his own clientele. We let him keep that separate and train his people in there. And he was going to be the owner operator, but really all his focus was on his own clients. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the place was like breaking even maybe some low. Well, no, it started to lose then. And he just wasn't the guy. He wasn't the guy. Um, so that was challenging too, because I had to do something about that. Cause I had a massive, uh, seller financing that was paid back. The seller financing was paid back with 15% of the gross every month, which is a good chunk. Mm -hmm. So I was growing too fast and I didn't really have, because of all this stuff going on and I really wasn't, uh, it was still pretty, you know, pretty touch and go, pretty precarious. So even based on this, you decided to go even more Then you went number five and number six, right? Yeah. And so was there, was there a little bit of a, a gap in there where you were able to kind of like stabilize this kind of asset class to an extent and then move to the next one? Yeah. Yeah. So I had the four and I had to replace him as an owner. So I kind mm -hmm. of bought it and sold it to two people who were renting space for my others. Um, and we don't have renters anymore really, but, uh, uh, at the time I did. So they wanted their own studio. Boom. So that worked out really well. And they crushed it. They're, they just do their own thing. They adopted a lot of the stuff that I did, but they, they just crush it. So that place started doing well. Dave Bess, who was a renter when I took over the second location, um, he became my GM then when I lost my GM. And he started crushing that location on his own. He's just so talented, right? Um, and then I was at Desert Ridge and I had my original location run by the guy. So things were going pretty good. Like, okay, all right. Now I'm making, you know, I don't know what I was doing then, but I'm probably making like 150, 200 or something like that, net mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And I'm paying off the loans and stuff like that, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I try to pay off those as fast as I could. So I was doing okay. Maybe a little bit above 200 at that point. I don't know. And then... And then that employee, my number one, he did the whole thing where he slept with the female trainer, lied about it, covered up, you name it, the place melted down. And instead of letting him go, I installed him at Desert Ridge, went over to save that location, and he immediately blew that one to hell. And then, I mean, if here's where I got really lucky. The guy who told me about it at the original location, Ron, he was a renter. Because I had renters at this time, right? He was, he's extremely hardworking. He's loyal. He wanted an opportunity. He stepped in to run that place. Because I, I was running it for a few months. Then I had to go back over there because I had to fire him with no employees there, right? Mm -hmm. Or one very part-timer. So Ron was going to take over the helm at the 7th Street location. I was kind of working in both. A billion hours a week. Then he started taking over that. And he crushed it. Also, my partners at Scottsdale and 
my manager, Dave Bess, started crushing it at the Arrowhead and Scottsdale locations. If those did not perform so much, it would have been really, really bad. Really, really bad. So I got really lucky by having some amazing people. Mm-hmm. Um, they got me through it. Ron Edwards, thank you. Dave Best, thank you. Matt Hoodie and Becky Hoodie, thank you so much. I would not, I would have, I would have been done. You guys are amazing. And so that, that's what happened there. Um, and then Dave, so what happened too was Ron eventually bought in as a minority owner at a location. Dave eventually bought in as a minority. They became partners because they were just crushing it for years. Um, and then it was recently, so I wasn't looking to, to get another location, um, but an opportunity came up where it just came across my desk. Um, and it's like, man, if I can find somebody to run this, the equipment's already there. Usually it's from places that go out of business. Right. It's a hard game. So, you know, every now and again, I'll get deals come across my desk from brokers or um, real estate brokers, whether they're business brokers or real estate brokers. And I'm like, well, I'll make a few phone calls because at this point, it's going really well. And uh, yeah, so that kind of was another location that started in Scottsdale. And then it was COVID. COVID hit. Okay. Um, COVID hit. And then obviously, we all know what happened. That was a lot of fear. Just because I've got, at this point, five locations. Okay. Five locations. And now they're all shut down. And that was, uh, that was a little bit stressful. And to make matters worse, a few months before, I think it was December or January, technically January, I had bought the building across my first location. The landlords were horrible. I can't even tell you how horrible. That's another story. Um, but the, the, there's a convenience store across the street that was closing down. So I bought that building. So I threw out a wad of cash on the down payment in Reno, right? So I threw out tens and many tens of thousands of dollars on that one. I don't know how much it was anymore. 80, I, I don't know. I don't really know. And then um, I also bought a vacation house in Flagstaff, which is a two-hour drive. It's place is amazing. It was operating as an Airbnb that wasn't doing... It was doing okay. I'm like, worst case scenario, worst case scenario, I'll break even. Mm-hmm. Or maybe pay a little bit. But we use it as our vacation house too. So I bought that. Um, or rather, stuff started happening in March. That's when it was... We didn't really know yet. But as soon as the NBA shut down, it's like, oh yeah. man, things are getting, things are getting wild. Even my mortgage broker is on the phone. He's like, do, do you want to do this? I might not be able to get my earnest deposit back of like 10,000 10, or something, but he's like, do, do you want to do this? Hey, Trevor here. And I apologize for interrupting. I know it was just starting to get really, really good. This episode with Scott Carpenter got a little long, so we wanted to split it into two. And no better way than to leave you with a little bit of a cliffhanger. So you'll have to check out part two with Scott Carpenter on the Coach Catalyst podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you are ready to start making an extra $10,000 a month or more this month, By making more money with less clients and create a consistent flow of high-quality leads, you can learn about what it's like to work with me and how ridiculously affordable it is at CoachScottCarpenter.com. And if you got any value out of this episode, please pay it forward and leave a review for this show. It helps other gym owners find the answers to the huge problems that we all share. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.